Hello, welcome to the Professional Insight Podcast, episode 44, season two, the last episode of the season. Oh my God, and season yeah. three is going to be epic. Epic. We will epic. probably all have COVID-19 <laughs> or something at that stage. I don't know. God, hopefully God, we can get together. Hopefully not. By then. Yeah, hopefully we can get together and all that we'll kind of Vegas, stuff. Vegas shoot. Thank you to our sponsors, <laughs> Brand Boulevard. No desire to go to the U.S. <laughs> not for a long time. No. Um, Sink lips. Thanks, boys. Brand. Uh, I'm Brandon Curry. I'm Jeff Collins. Josh Bond. Trevor Lindy. All right. So, you know, at the last episode, episode 43, uh, smartass Collins, a.k.a. Hey, hey, Jeff, the builder, um, <laughs> decided to meet me the bus and back it over uh, his advisor. That's, that's the skinhead comment, Revenge. That's the one. <laughs> <laughs> so... All right, Jeff, you obviously don't listen when I explain things, so let's explain it again. Let's go. All right, so you have got a statement in the mail, yes? And that's I think, what you, you know, call it. It looks yeah. like a death, death wish or something. I don't know. Financial in all, statement. In, yeah. all, in all fairness, this is actually a pretty good topical um, uh, topic because a lot of people are getting their Q1 statements uh, due to the delay of Canada Post right now, mm -hmm. and they're getting it you know, and they're opening up their mail. So um, I've had a lot of these comments, uh, but we've prefaced this with our weekly communications. Obviously, Jeff doesn't read those. So <laughs> and via email so that everyone can actually get prepped for these comments. But it's, it's only been happening for the last 11 weeks, Jeff. It's totally fine. Why don't you give um, me like a video kind of? Uh, you can I'm not giving you a read video. it. You can there read it there, go. like sipping a martini and smoking a cigar. <laughs> Pretty good marketing idea. Yeah. yeah. So, uh, be like a Wolf of Wall Street update on the market. Yeah. So, here's, here's 20,000 words. Read it, Jeff, weekly. Oh, yeah. Yeah. So, 140 anyway. characters or less. Anyway. Uh, okay. You had a couple questions. So, on your statement, you're going to get. A couple you're gonna see a couple things. You're gonna see the term net invested. Okay, net invested is basically the principle that you gave your advisor. That's the original principle that you all the checks that you've you've given and minus any withdrawals, and then that's how they figure out you know if you're up or if you're down or not. Okay, so that's your net invested. Then you have what we like to call your book value. Now, your book value is your adjusted cost base. So basically, if you own a stock or a bond that pays dividends or interest on it, and you reinvest those dividends or interest back into the stock, i.e. you're buying more stock, or in a mutual fund situation, you are... Um, there's distributions per unit and you don't want to take the income. So you reinvest that money back into it because it's an RSP or if it's TFSA, you don't want to withdraw that money and you reinvest it back in, you're buying more units. Therefore you're increasing your adjusted cost base over time because if the market keeps doing this and you keep buying more units, that's what ends up happening. So your book value unless you're reinvesting during a recession, your book value most likely over time will be higher than your net invested. 
okay? Then you have your market value. What's it worth today? What's the, what's the, if you were to sell it today, what's the fair market value today that the open market would get? And, that, and that's with your stocks, your bonds, your mutual funds. But what a lot of people get freaked out about is what's on the statement is typically your book value because that's your adjusted cost base. And then they look at their market value and they're like, I've lost X. Well, you haven't actually lost X, A, until you sell. And B, you should be actually looking at your net invested, what you gave your advisor versus not what your book value is. Your book value is basically, it's, it's bonus money because it's been reinvested back in, but you, did you lose your original principal? That's what you really want to know. Where does it say the original principal? I'm looking at it right now. I see book value. I see market value. Yeah. Where's the original principal? It may not have it on statements, but I like your it's advisor. Tough. There's a lot of tears on here, so I can't. It's smudged quite a bit. <laughs> I can't read through the tears. Brandon, you forgot to mention, though, on your Q1 statements for 2020, something else that you'll see. Right. So There's a drop. <laughs> yeah. So on your Q1 statements, you have to remember, that's as of March 31st ended. Since that time, since the, the drop of the market, which was March 23rd of 2020, um, your markets have basically come back around 20% since that drop. So you really should be calling up your advisor and saying, well, what's the fair market value right now? Like, what am I at right now versus not March 31st? Because you're, it's delayed. The mail is delayed and there's been a lot of growth. Like you, so for example, when did you open that up? Um, Jeff? I don't know. Okay, like what last Does week? It say out of here or what? No. When did you open the mail? Oh, yeah, a week ago. A week Stay on this statement when I actually opened this. <laughs> is it time stamped? Yeah, so that's last week, which is the middle of May. And that is a statement reflecting the end of March. So you're looking at six weeks. And in six weeks, the markets have recovered significantly. No, you told me a long time ago, don't look at the quarter, look at by the year, basically, right? So I told my look wife, the, look at, leave it alone, leave it alone. Yeah, so... So the positive news off the air, we, we actually went through your statement, right? Not being recorded. And what, what did we find out that to date right now, your statement is not definitely not a true reflection of where you're currently at. Um, and it's a snapshot in time and you've significantly rebounded. And I mean, significantly rebounded when you talk dollars in the value of your, of your investments. Now, there's still a way to go uh, compared to book value. That is true. Um, but I truly believe that the investments that you're in and based on your risk profile, now everyone's risk profile and objectives are different. So if your objective is to grow like Jeff's is because he's still young and he's got 20 years before he's worried about retirement and he has the ability to take on a lot more risk because A, he doesn't need the income and B, um, he has a long time horizon, his investments will, would have reacted a lot more severely in the downturn, but in return, your investments will rebound a lot quicker versus a conservative portfolio, which is more invested in 
bonds and and more fixed fixed terms like banks and what have you. So um, that's the positive side of it. Don't look at your statements. I don't. I, 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 I am that's busting you, balls. That's it. I know, I know. I'm just saying for the for the readers. Don't yeah. look at your statements, right? Like, I mean, you're obviously in a pandemic. Things aren't doing well. Stay the course. Ride it out, right? Like, I mean, right. Things are getting better, right? They're they're well, getting better that, already. You probably big, that's my speculation in the economy and the markets and everything. Like, I think the second half of the year will be pretty big. I, I, yeah. I want stuff I can too to find out what's going on because I want to know what's going on, and I'm like. I'm just writing it out right now, but I, the big thing is I'm getting anxious. I want to get, get working, and I think there's going to be a lot of agents out there want to get working, which is going to help the market. It'll help them, you know, help all your yep. investments and stuff. I'm not worried, Brendan. Don't don't get me wrong. Oh, I, I'm, I'm oh, in very no. capable hands and all that. I'm just busting balls. About, oh no, I, I love busting balls. There's a lot of tears on the paper. I'm not going to lie, but <laughs> we, we everybody's serve. paper, right? Yeah. But it's that's why it's learn out there, you know, like do not pull your stuff, right, Brandon? Like I wouldn't don't pull it in the middle of a pandemic. Well, I think in the very, very beginning, one of our first episodes, uh, I think Josh said it best. He took the words right out of my mouth, which was hmm. it's not timing the market, it's time in the market. Yeah. And I think right now, if you're looking at investing, and I've had a couple conversations this morning and in the last several weeks, actually, people looking to invest back into the market. And I've got a tidbit for you that's coming out. Uh, in my weekly mailer that Jeff will not read, but I'll tell everybody now. I want um, you to do the video tidbit. I want the yeah. video. I want to read it. So, watch it. <clears throat> people who dollar cost average, and we've said this before, people who who average or on a consistent basis contribute into RRSP, TFSA, or, or, or on non-reg into the market have fared a lot better than people who do one-time buys. And the reason is, as an example, we'll use me. Uh, Jeff, you know, you sold my condo last year and therefore I had a taxable capital gain. And through my accountant, Dave Tutenberg, who has been on this program, um, we had to come up with a, a amount of money that I had to put into the market. I waited until the last week of February, 2020 to yeah. do that, to do that, that it just so happened to, to do that contribution. However, when I did do it, it had already dropped about 10%. I still had dropped an, an additional 15. But if I would have dollar cost averaged that money over the course of, let's say, a year, once I sold the property, your adjusted cost base or your average cost of that, that, that fund or whatever that you've been buying wouldn't have been as high as when I contributed it in February, which February 23rd, February 19th, February 23rd, depending on the index, depending on the index, was the peak. That was the peak. And so don't I invest maybe seven uh, days later. So I'm pretty much investing, not at the top, it had already declined about 10%, but I, I'm, I'm investing as it's going down. And it fell another 25%. Uh, hey. 20%, the index. You can't time the market, right? That's like so that just goes to show you people who invest over a long period of time and over a consistent period of time, weather the storm a lot better. Your highs aren't as high, but your lows aren't as low. 
So here's a little tidbit of information, which is coming out this week in our, in, in our, on social media and in our weekly uh, communication to our, our clients. In the one I'm not reading? The one you're not reading. So in 2008-2009 financial crisis, six weeks after the low, which was around March 19th, 2009, six weeks after the low, there was about $3.9 trillion sitting on the sidelines in the US, sitting in cash, waiting to be invested, okay? Based on where the markets were at that time, <clears throat> that 3.9 trillion represented approximately 48% of what was already invested in the markets at that time. So they, it, it was around just shy of $8 trillion already invested, and there was a further, 3.9, 3.8 trillion still on the sidelines waiting to be invested sitting in cash. Okay, fast forward 11 years later. You've got approximately $4.9 trillion, so a trillion dollars more, sitting on the sidelines in cash. However, that only represents 17% of what's already invested in the market. So what does that mean in English? Well, there's two positive signs to that. One, more people feel more confident right now to that have already invested six to seven weeks after the low than they did in 0809. Two, there's still an additional $4.9 trillion in the US, forget about global, just in the US, sitting in cash right now, not doing anything. So if you're invested in the market, there's still more fuel coming into the market right now. It might so be a buy time. So by investing now, by dollar cost averaging now, over time, you need to know that there's an additional, if you're investing in US, US indexes, there is an additional 4.9 trillion sitting in cash waiting to be invested in the markets. And it's just a matter of time over the next four to six months of when that money goes. So those old people timing the market then? They're not, no, no, it's more, no, it's hedge fund. We're talking hedge fund managers, fund managers that, you know, like your, your Sun Life's, your CIs, your Fidelities, those guys and gals that have trillions and billions of dollars in their funds. They've put them into cash right now and they're waiting for those buy opportunities in particular stocks. To balance and the portfolio. To balance, to balance the portfolio. So that's all they've done. See, what a lot of people don't realize in ETFs, ETFs, you're not allowed to hold any cash. Whereas in mutual funds and in hedge managers and all that kind of, they're allowed to hold cash. Like, like for example, Warren Buffett just divested out of all the airlines. It's March, it's May 21st, 2020, when I'm saying this. Warren Buffett divested out of Berkshire Hathaway all of, the, all of his money in airlines. And he's sitting in cash right now. So part of that $4.9 is part of Warren Buffett selling all of his airline stock, you know, and putting it into cash. He's waiting on the sidelines for that buy value opportunity to just to dive in and to buy up. Because we do believe it's going to be a W recovery. So we believe we're at the top of that little spreadsheet right now. We're at the top of that little, that little wave right now. The mid-peak, right? 
Yeah. So we're down. And then we're going to go this. We're going to do this. In about, and that's going to happen for about one to two months. And then we're going to do this again. And then that, it's, when it starts to do that, that's when the, that's at that point, that's when you're going to see the, a, a good portion of the $4.9 to be invested. So within the next two Within the next two months, be, be monitoring the markets and talking to your advisor if you have cash to invest, right? Because in terms of if you're ever going to time a market, in and around the, the, these types of things happen is when you could maybe time a market and, 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 and get some pull up on that market recovery. Yeah, you're, you're 100% right. If you're ever going to try to time a market, it, it's, it's now. It's because you know it's at its low or one of the lowest lows in, in, in history, right? So even though we're sitting at, what's the S&P 500 sitting at? I think it's sitting at around just over 2,900. 2, you have to remember its peak was just over 3,300 points yeah. at the end of February. So it's still 400 points off or just over 10% off of its peak back in February. So just if you're investing in an index or if you're using the index as a pulse, which is a very good pulse, the S&P 500 is the most popular index in the world. Is it futures? No, it's, I'm talking right now. Oh, okay. Yeah, it's the most popular index in the world and it's the most heavily followed. Um, you, you need to know that you can just, just by investing today and just letting it, setting it and forgetting it, you've got a 10% upside just on, it's like walking in and talking to Jeff Collins and going, Hey, what about Welland or what about Port Colborne or what about anywhere in Niagara? And Jeff's like, yeah, like housing prices have dropped 10% since they're high in 2016, 2017. So, you know, historically housing always rebounds. It always rebounds. So if you're willing to take the risk by now, you know, you're going to get a 10% bump in your investment right off the hopper. And that's the whole, the whole course is buy low, sell high, right? Let's and clarify that the, the housing market didn't drop one year over year at all from 2016. No, no. I'm just using that as an, as an analogy. I'm not saying it has. I'm not saying it has. I'm saying it's like talking that, to Jeff. It was, in, it was in my newsletter last week that you didn't read. I see it and I burn it. That's what I do. <laughs> <laughs> because you're handwriting. Right now? Because, you're, because your handwriting was like a grade two. It's all scribbled. Dr. Redding, that's what it is. He actually uses, he actually uses a label. Um, uh, but anyway, no, in, in all, to use an analogy, that'd be the equivalency. It's just people get more personal when it comes about their savings versus a house, right? It makes more sense to them. But when you're looking at, hey, I got to make this RRSP investment anyway, which is what I had to do, right? Yep. And I had to. So... You know, it just so happened I set up the one-time investment at, you know, February 23rd, and the market's just... Well, but I, having, I could predict the pandemic, then we, we, I mean, we'd all be in a better situation, right? So, yeah, exactly. no, it's just once in a lifetime for us, maybe, hopefully, knock on wood. That having been said, though, if you've got your notice of assessment, you know what your RSP contribution is like. You should probably be thinking about maybe taking advantage of maxing out your contribution on a go forward basis too. Right. And if, and if, well, or if you don't need the tax write off based, you know, and your say. is like, you know what, you're fine. You're in a, you're in a tax bracket that it just really wouldn't implement it or, or affect it. Yeah. Tax free savings account. 
Tax-free savings account can do the same thing as an RRSP, just it doesn't give you the, the, the tax deduction. Tax benefit, yeah. Yeah. So yeah, I, I think that Curry, it, it's a compliment to you that I'm not reading your newsletter because I have the utmost confidence in what you're yes, doing for me <laughs> that I don't even need to read it. So yes. it's, it's one of those things. Fair. If I was reading all the time, I'd be second guessing you. So I'm like, yeah, I don't read it. But no, I, 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 uh, I, I know that I, we, we definitely bust chops on this podcast just because we know <laughs> we can. Um, but uh, so nice to have it deflected away from me for a bit. <laughs> yeah, I can't. I honestly can't wait till we do our podcast in your trailer, and we all just. Oh, me and Curry are gonna pile each other's shit on top of each other just because <laughs> we want to do it so bad. <laughs> oh God, it's gonna happen. No, oh, help us, help you stay informed. And, Thanks and for hug listening. a helpful neighbor. Hug, hug a helpful neighbor one day. Oh boy. Okay, bye. <laughs> out. Ciao looking to make the most out of this life and optimize your personal wellness then check out the natural man podcast join me host mike c as we explore all areas of human wellness physical mental and emotional learn strategies to optimize your own well-being and be in the driver's seat of your own health remember your doctor works for you learn biohacks neurohacks ways to improve sleep and ways to optimize your body and your mind. Check us out on Apple, Spotify, the Fountain app, and at naturalmanpodcast.com. The Podcast Super Friends is a monthly meeting of five podcast producers. Hi, I'm Catherine O'Brien from Branch Out Programs in Baton Rouge, Louisiana. I'm John Gay from Jagged Detroit Podcasts. I'm Matt Kundle from the Sound Off Podcast Network. I'm David Yes from Pod 617, the Boston Podcast Network. And I'm Johnny Peterson from Straight Up Podcasts. Together, they form the Podcast Super Friends, an alliance of podcast masterminds sharing best practices, insights, and discussions to help make you a better podcaster. Follow or subscribe to the show on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Google Podcasts, or at soundoff.network. Hey, 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 hey. Produced by Cryer Media and distributed by the Sound Off Media Company. 